Welcome to In the News for September the 8th, 2023. I am Brett Burney from AppsInLaw.com. And this is Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD. How you doing, Brett? Good morning, Jeff. A very important update for our iPhones. It is here. iOS 16.6.1. <laughs> We're waiting for iOS 17. Not quite yet, but I'm glad that it looks like Apple released a very important critical zero day update uh, that I actually I just installed this morning. It went pretty quick. And uh, mm -hmm. again, we've seen this now several times in the wild. Somebody finds an exploit and Apple seems to be a little bit quicker now getting a fix out, which is great. So thank you, Apple. Yeah, no, this is an interesting one. You know, from what I understand, because um, I had a link here to the Citizen Lab, which is uh, up in Canada, they're associated with, and, I, and now I'm blanking on the name of the university, but they, this is what they do. I mean, they they look for security holes that could be, uh, especially things that could be dangerous to folks who yeah. are involved in, you know, civil rights, you know, so, so those sorts of organizations. And apparently there was somebody working in Washington, D.C. They don't say what organization that they were working right. for, but they had a phone and they were just having the Citizen Lab check it routinely to make sure that it was safe and sure enough they found something and this was a this was a bizarre zero day exploit it looks like it came from the nso group which as we all remember right. is based in israel yep. they are one of the top ones for cracking iphones uh their software is called pegasus it's expensive and they claim that they only sell it to governments so that it's not something <laughs> that a true right. hacker could use of course some governments may have you know different ideals than than you than you and i do just depending upon right. where they come from and um and so the idea is that a government would use it for like a terrorist iPhone, but obviously this guy was apparently some sort of a civil rights person, and yet some government apparently considered him to be, you know, dangerous. And so they 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 hacked his phone. And the, what's scary to me is that the way it happened is they sent he simply sent him a message. You know, just by sending him a right. text message or, or be, right. to be more specific, an iMessage that had a photo on it that I don't know what the photo was, you know, let's just say it was a photo of a puppy. But because it was right. some sort of right. maliciously crafted photo, it it broke into his iPhone and he didn't have to do anything at all. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not like he had to click yeah. on something. You know, we always yeah. tell people, watch what you click, watch what you open, you know, watch where you download things from. But this one just got straight through. So it shows you how smart the security folks for NSA group are to even mm -hmm. come up with these exploits. Um, now it looks like Apple found out about it. I think two weeks ago is what we found out and they were able yeah. to turn around this update pretty quickly. So for at least two weeks, you know, all iPhones and iPads and Mac computers and everything else have technically been at risk. Now it is patched. Um, now, again, th these are targeted attacks. I mean, my guess is that Correct. you would have to right. be a special kind of person to have this sent to you. And, you know, I can right. see many people saying, you know, hey, why why is, you know, a government going to target me? Um, but then again, you never know. I mean, and all sorts of things are malicious and things can fall into the wrong hands. Um, I mean, you know, bro, I, I'm an attorney and, you know, I represent people that have all sorts of whether right. they be business interests right. or personal interests. You never know right. when's, when, when somebody's going to be targeting you to try to make you the attack vector. And, you know, many other people people could be involved in industries where you may think that I'm just Joe Blow who works for company A, but maybe somehow you're a target, or maybe somebody's even just picked you randomly to, to try something out right. on you before they use it right. on a real target. So it makes good sense to update your iPhone. And it's good to see Apple doing what you they should do, which is fix these ex exploits as soon as they learn about them. 
Yeah, I'm always quick to make sure that people understand there, there's a there's a balanced approach here, right? It's like, yes, this is important. This is an exploit. It is something that needs to be fixed, and which is why mm -hmm. I always suggest, and we've talked about this many times, when it's like a point point update, <laughs> then there's really no harm in doing it. It's not going to change your experience on the iPhone as if we're going from 16 iOS 16 to iOS 17. Now that's going to be mm -hmm. you know quite mm -hmm. a number of changes, but these smaller uh, updates are really just I think I call it common sense more than anything else because again. And most of us, to your point, are not going to be targeted by, you know, um, nefarious government entities of some kind. They're not going to be looking for that. But on the other hand, it is good to make sure that we do uh, uh, do these these updates. This employee, mm -hmm. they, they they kind of explained it in a uh, uh, kind of a generic way. An employee of a Washington, D.C. based civil society organization with international offices. And so yeah. that's where they found. I know. So who knows what that could be? But I mean, obviously, it was somebody something important and somebody somewhere was trying to get uh, access onto their phones. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm just I think the takeaway for me is I'm just glad to see that when when this organization, uh, what are they called? The the Citizen Lab, when this organization found out about it, they notified Apple through the right channels. And Apple, I think, did the right thing and made sure that they just closed this little exploit, this little loophole. Uh, and they did it very quickly. And, you know, we've been talking about this for years now. We have these ability now to do these updates a lot quicker and easier than it used to be uh, back in the day. So great. Mm -hmm. You know, one last thing quickly on this. They they also in this article that you linked to encouraged everyone to enable lockdown mode. Uh, and I got to be honest, Jeff, I don't know too much about lockdown mode in the, in no. the iPhone, uh, but it looks like, you know, he, he, they linked to the article, the Apple support article here, which is uh, which is which is great. But it looks like uh, that might be a little too far. <laughs> I think that's for most what I of think. Us, but yeah, if 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 it's something that you're in, you really are truly concerned about, then maybe you know at least be aware of the lockdown mode there. Yeah, if uh, you know that you work for an organization and you have a position that you feel like you mm -hmm. actually might be a target, um, you can turn on this mode. And and lockdown mode does prevent a lot of the useful things. You know, it it, it definitely limits the usefulness of a lot of iPhone services. But um, but yeah, it's something that yeah. you can turn on and turn off if you want. Um, you know, you may decide, for example, if you're traveling to another country. That you would yes. just feel more okay. comfortable That's turning a, yeah. on lockdown right. mode when you travel and stuff like that. So it's it's nice that you could do that. By the way, the Citizen Lab, it's University of Toronto. That that's the uh, yep, just to exactly. give them full credit and, and and kudos to them for for doing this type of research to to help us out because you know unless you find exploits like this, they could just continue to exist in the wild and be exploited. So let's stay on the security topic just for a little mm -hmm. bit longer, and this involves. Um, Something that is a little stomach churning in, in some aspects here, but we've been talking about this now for a couple of years, and it's really the, um, they call it CSAM, child sexual abuse material. And mm -hmm. two years ago, the reason we started talking about this in August of 2021, as you reported here on iPhone JD, that an Apple was going to, um, I, I guess I don't really understand exactly what they were going to do, but they were trying to put some protections in place to make sure that if they found some of this extremely offensive and illegal material, you know, m mostly photos, right, on phones, that uh, it would alert the uh, law enforcement or something along those lines. And we haven't seen anything really come about. Apple's kind of touched upon it, but you linked to another story today from Wired that Apple has now decided to officially kill the CSAM photo scanning tool, um, which 
on one hand, doesn't seem to make any sense at all, Jeff. But on the other hand, I can see where Apple, why Apple uh, made this decision as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the issue here is obviously, you know, it, everyone's going to say we're against child abuse. I mean, that, that's the easy part. And you certainly right. don't want to have, you know, photographs of children um, in inappropriate, you know, situations going around. So here in the United States, we have something called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Right, um, right. And they are a, a national clearinghouse. They're like one the, the only person in America that actually has permission to collect these inappropriate photographs, because one of the things that they can do is they can take the photograph and they can put, do a computational analysis on it and then mm -hmm. come up with a hashtag. And so the idea being is if somebody else has a photograph that matches the same hashtag, then you know that it is right. the same photo, right. or at least statistically exactly. within a certain degree, it's the same photo. And so what it means is that if somebody says, you know, I have, you know, a folder of a thousand photos, and I just want to double check that none of these are inappropriate, you can run the hashtags from this national clearinghouse against it. And if it'll let you know if there's a match. So that that's, that's where all this comes from. And so okay. Apple, okay. as it was allowing people to upload people to iCloud, it's, 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 it's iCloud, it's, it's online, um, you right. know, service, it doesn't want to have you know, images up there that are inappropriate. But at the same time, Apple wants to protect those images. It doesn't want to say, I'm going to look at all the images you upload because right. that invades your privacy. So how do you balance wanting to protect your privacy, but also Apple not wanting to have these photos on its service? And what Apple decided right. a couple of years ago, and it was announced two years ago, is that uh -huh. before your iPhone or your Mac or whatever, before you upload pictures to iCloud, on your actual device where your photos live before they've been shared with anybody that your iPhone would would download all of the hashtags from this clearinghouse and will double check your photos as they're being uploaded. Now, if you choose not to upload them, nothing would ever happen. That's just your right. own problem if you have inappropriate right. photos on your device. But when you go to upload it, it would double check each one before it reaches Apple service. And so that way, Apple could keep the photos encrypted on its service. And they could honestly say, we can't see your photos. Right. And yet they would also know that there were no inappropriate photos on its service. So all of this sounded like a good solution yeah, to right. this problem when Apple announced it two years ago. But shortly after they announced it, a number of people started to object. And some objections I thought were going too far, but there were other ones that were legitimate. Yeah. And the real problem was a slippery slope argument. I always get worried about slippery slope arguments because yeah. <laughs> you can you can argue against everything with a slippery sure, slope argument. Sure. But um, um, but the one here was, you know, once you start using this service in the U.S. with the U.S. National Clearinghouse, mm -hmm. to have it work in other countries, you would have to use the appropriate clearinghouse from those countries. And for every country, they're going to yeah. designate different things. Apple themselves right, would right. not know what's in those clearinghouses. And the danger is, what if you have a country that says, you know, our country legitimately believes, for example, that uh, being gay is a crime. And so any, you know, photographs showing any homosexual activity of any kind, they would say is a crime against the state. And if you have mm -hmm. those photos, then then you're a bad guy, just as bad as if you had some right. child pornography. Well, if Apple was using those clearinghouses that was being, you know, how is Apple going to say yes to the US clearinghouse, but say no to some other exactly. government's clearinghouse? Right. And so the idea right. is that once you create the, or, or another example might be in China, you know, this is almost a humorous example. You know, there are people that would say uh, pictures of Winnie the Pooh are used to uh, criticize the uh, the leader of China. Right. And so China literally stopped people, said, you know, in China, you, you can't talk about Winnie the Pooh or you can't share Winnie the Pooh pictures, which sounds almost comical. But what happens if suddenly anyone, you know, in China can no longer upload to the Chinese iCloud pictures of Winnie the Pooh? I mean, just as, a, as right. an example. And so Apple right. realized that once they start a service like this, there's no way that they could turn down 
government's ability to tell Apple, here's what you need to search for. And then suddenly, essentially, although it's all happening on device, governments are having the ability to search your device, you know, for photographs that the government considers to be inappropriate. And sometimes that's the right thing. Sometimes that's the wrong thing. It all depends upon your perspective. And you can understand that's that is a legitimate slippery slope argument. So, you know, what we've all known publicly is that Apple announced this system two years ago, And then they never came through with it. And we were all wondering, what's the story? And so the reason that this is a news this week is because there was a statement released to Wired magazine by somebody at Apple that, that, you know, he's a little uh, coy in in the description of the reasons, but basically (laughs) is saying that it is this, uh, it is, it is this slippery slope argument. The, uh, the quote there is uh, Eric, uh, gosh, I can't pronounce his last name, Noonan Schwander, but he says, quote, we yeah, we concluded it was not practically possible to right. implement without ultimately imperiling the security and privacy of our users, which that's a statement that is not very specific, but there's, a, you know, you, you understand where he's coming from there that, yeah, you know, we can't right. as a practical matter. It's and, and it's it's a shame because it, it's, you know, you start with good intentions. Apple had the right idea here, yeah. but as a practical matter, their very smart system that they came up with, when you think through what are the implications of actually implementing this, you suddenly find yourself in a place that you don't want to be. And so, you know, it's the old argument of one bad apple can ruin it for the rest of us. That That's <laughs> that's sort of what ended up here. So I think it's a fascinating story. And much like the last one that we talked about, this yeah. one, like the NSO group, I mean, it, it involves, you know, privacy, security, governments around the world it's it's these same themes um it's really interesting how could apple win in this situation jeff i mean honestly i remember talking about this a couple of years ago when it first came out and and we were again who 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 would have been against it you know from the goal at least that apple was was putting forth on this is like this is great i mean we're going to finally you know from a technology standpoint be able to maybe tamp down some of this illegal activity um we're like, go for it. Like, let, let's do that. But obviously there's a lot of folks that can point, uh, you know, have a counterpoint to that. And uh, it's exactly, in fact, another quote that Eric said here, scanning ever use every user's privately stored iCloud data would create new threat vectors. And he says it would also inject the potential for a slippery slope of unintended consequences. Scanning for one type of content, for instance, opens the door for bulk surveillance and could create a desire to search other encrypted messaging systems across content types. Exactly. And so, yeah. so you know, I, I, I see exactly where they're coming from. But then in the next paragraph here, there's another uh, individual here that is at another nonprofit that they work to combat child exploitation online and sex trafficking. And she wrote a letter to Tim Cook and said, this is extremely disappointing. She said, Apple is one of the most successful companies in the world with an army of world-class engineers. And in other words, how can you not find a solution to this? But I just don't see how Apple is going to win. I mean, I can see that they're trying to navigate this. And, and frankly, I'm glad that they're thinking about it. And there's a lot of other people that are thinking about this, you know, and trying to do it to it in the correct way, I guess. But at the same time, some of this activity may still be going on, right? In other words, we could point to things that's unfortunate that are still continuing to happen while we're trying to figure this out from a technology standpoint. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll just con- continue to keep watching this, I guess, because I don't know how anybody is going to win, you know, in in, in doing this. But maybe there'll be uh, maybe maybe there'll be something that uh, Apple will come up with here pretty soon. We'll have we just have to mm-hmm. see. So uh, maybe maybe if you're in China, it's they've already fixed the problem. <laughs> 
<laughs> kind of bans iPhone use for government officials at work. Uh, this was really interesting. I saw this reported from a couple other places as well. So uh, I, I'm not really sure exactly the reason that, that China, the government has banned <laughs> officials on this. Jeff, maybe you could enlighten me a little bit here. But it uh, uh, doesn't surprise me, I guess. But I don't understand it completely. There's a good reason you don't know the reason, Brett. <laughs> and yes? That's because there is not really one, at least okay, not one that's good, been articulated. Good. But, you know, to be fair, to be completely fair, um, you know, you here in the United States over the last couple of months, it's been in the news that certain sectors of the government, both federal and state governments, have said that they ban the use of TikTok on government phones. Has yes. anybody, TikTok, of course, is based in China, although folks that use TikTok in the United States are, are supposedly using U.S. servers and it's a separate U.S. company, although right, I'll be right. affiliated with the Chinese entity. And so it, when you use TikTok, you know, if you decide to spend your time looking at a certain type of video on TikTok, let's just say kitten videos, cute kittens, you know, is the government of China finding out that Brett Bernie likes to look at kitten videos? I don't know. TikTok claims no, but I guess it's theoretically possible. And so because of that, that has been enough. That fear has been enough for government officials in the United States and certain sectors to ban the use of TikTok on government uh, on government right. iPhones. So uh, okay. iPhones yes. of government employees. So I got with that, that in mind, yeah. you know, knowing that people in the United States have also made decisions that, you know, you can argue about the basis, China has decided we are banning if you work for the government. And of course it becomes, uh, well, if you work for the government, you can't use an iPhone and you can't even bring for your government work and you can't even bring an iPhone into work. And of course, working for the government in China becomes a tricky concept because so many mm -hmm. industries are yeah. nationalized there. It's, it's a question of how far it extends. Now, as for the reason, they say it, it reduces reliance on foreign technology because the idea is if you can't use an okay. iPhone, you're going to use like a Huawei or one of those, you know, Chinese uh, manufactured right. phones. That's, that's and true. also yeah. they say it protects cybersecurity. Not that China is actually saying that there's anything inherently insecure about iPhones. In fact, I would argue that, you know, as the recent, on the one hand, that NSO group showed that there were exploits to be had, but the fact that Apple fixed it so quickly shows that yeah. Apple is incredibly concerned about security. So I don't think that that was right, a real right. excuse. So, you know, some of this is posturing. Some of it is, you know, you do this, I'm going to need to respond. Um, Apple's relationship with China is so complicated because Apple yeah. relies upon China from a manufacturing standpoint. And right. China is one of the biggest markets in the world in yeah. terms of emerging use. You know, here in the US, yes. it's pretty saturated. You know, pretty much everybody in the United States that wants a smartphone owns a smartphone and they've already made the decision of iPhone versus Android. And maybe you can right. convince some people to switch. But in terms of future growth, you know, some of the areas that Apple, you know, can look to are countries like China and India um, and places where where there is a burgeoning middle class that can that can more and more afford iPhones. So, you know, it's a big deal to perhaps be losing that argument. And again, China is not banning the iPhone throughout China, only for people <laughs> okay. that work for the government. But again, there's a yeah. question of how far it goes. So it's an interesting thing. And again, this is now the third story in a row, Brett, where we're talking about, you know, government decisions. It's, it's you know, the, this, this yeah, relationship between point. governments and technology. It's just, uh, uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it it almost at first seems a little tit for tat from the China yeah. perspective. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, but of course, I, I did see where somebody contemplated that China is saying, hey, you know, it's 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 really for the safety. We want to have Chinese made devices. And of course, the first thing I think of, well, the iPhone. 
is made <laughs> in China. Design that is the, ir- the in irony California, <laughs> but made in China. So, but uh, I, I understand you did a really good job of explaining this. So, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I to me, I'm just interested in like how how, how good is that going to work? <laughs> because if somebody's really you know uh, uh, tagged to their iPhone, I don't know if they want to give it up that easy. Yeah. Well, we are a week away now from the Apple announcement. Not even a week. What, four or five days? Yeah, we're, we're al- almost hours. <laughs> so we're excited to see what is coming, but then we also may need to have a eulogy for the lightning cable. <laughs> I thought this was a great article you linked to here from Dan Morin uh, in Macworld. RIP lightning. In lieu of flowers, please send dongles. <laughs> we may see the end of the lightning connector in four days, Jeff. One of the things that was interesting is that lightning was announced in 2012, as we've talked about in the right. past. And Dan Morin has a quote from uh, Apple's uh, vice president, Phil Schiller here, where he says that it's going to be a modern connector for the next decade, which yes. probably sounds like a long time back in 2012, but it's now been more than a decade. So, it's been you know, more than a decade. I, exactly. I guess you can argue that Apple told us at the time that lightning was announced that about 10 years later, or maybe in this case, you know, 11 <laughs> years later, it's going to be time for something new. So, um, and again, you know, you and I just talked about this a little bit last week too. You know, I wonder in my head if it wasn't for the fact that the uh, EU is demanding that smartphones sold in Europe uh, starting next year have to support USB-C. Would Apple have made the change? I don't know. I mean, I think that there are some clear advantages to USB-C. Like we talked about last week, the ability to transfer data faster for right, like downloading right. a, a 4K video and stuff like that. Um, on the other hand, a lot of the advantages of Lightning and USB-C are identical. It's a small connector. It's reversible, so it doesn't matter what way you split it in there. Um, and at Lightning, of course, has the advantage of being a proprietary technology. I mean, advantage if you're Apple is what I mean, because that means that yeah. Apple can make a little bit of money every time that a third party sells a Lightning connector, whereas USB-C is an open standard, so Apple doesn't make money off of people having USB-C. Uh, but, you know, whatever the reasons... The, the wide, I mean, the, the number one rumor that you just have to accept is probably true is that in just a few days, Apple is going to say we're the, the new iPhones are moving to USB-C. Right. And I'm looking forward to it because I, I think that there's going to be a lot of USB-C third-party devices that we'll suddenly be able to Agreed. use that you can't currently use. Um, since I already have USB-C on my iPad Pro, um, I, I, right. I'm just as happy to move more towards a universal connector. I'm going to still have some devices perhaps that rely upon Lightning, but maybe not too many. So um but it's 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 a fun little uh, article that Dan has, sort of his eulogy to it. <laughs> the thing that struck me here was this little picture that he had right in the middle, where he has the lightning cable in the middle, and he's got the UB- USB-C over onto the right, which is fairly similar in size. But then mm-hmm. on the left, he has the old, what we call the 30-pin connector, which is what lightning replaced. And it's just, I hadn't seen one of those in so long, Jeff. And it just brought to mind, it was like, wow, that was a humongous plug <laughs> with a 30-pin connector. And then we went to the Lightning, and I remember what a revolution it was to go to something so small. And the fact that you could, you know, turn it upside down, it didn't matter. And it made so much more room in the iPads and the iPhone. And that's one of the reasons, obviously, that Apple uh, made that switch. But yeah, we'll see. I know there's going to be a lot of grief <laughs> about uh, apple making the switch but but it could happen that's the funny thing when you when you show that picture brett if just by looking at the picture even if you just woke up from a cave and you have never seen either a lightning or a 30 pin connector and if you looked at these (laughs) things you'd say wow why would anybody want to use a 30 pin connector versus lightning 
But of course, you and I lived through it, Brett, and we remember that at the time, many people complained about Apple making the switch. They were just trying yes. to make us spend more money and buy yeah. Apple stuff, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But it was and right. So if people complained about that switch 11 years ago, Right. <laughs> it makes me wonder whether or not we're going to hear complaints to USB-C. A lot of us who are more geeky and have a lot oh, we of technology, yeah. we're familiar with USB-C. But you right. know, we already it, have does, those cables. Does yeah. does you know Joe and Jane iPhone user really right. know much about USB-C? And are they going to be you know complaining? Ah, why Apple? Why are you making us do this? So we'll have to see. I, I'll be curious to see the public reaction and what makes the 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 the, the, the newspaper headlines of the USA yeah. Today's of the world and stuff. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Jeff, I know you like your home pods, but do you like airplay as well? <laughs> Great article from Felipe Esposito in nine to five Mac. Home pod yeah. two is exactly what I wanted, but then he has to deal with airplay. I know you've complained yeah. about this a couple of times as well. Yeah. Airplay has so many nice features when it works. The problem is it just doesn't always work perfectly. And, yeah. um, you know, people that I know that use uh, Sonus speakers always talk about how the the technology that Sonus uses is yeah. uh, superior to Airplay. Like and Sonos. although I've never yeah. used them, that's what that's what I hear people say. Um, yeah. You know, Airplay works pretty well. But I mean, literally just this week, I was sitting there in my living room, Brett, and I was listening to some music. And and suddenly the uh, actually, you know what it was? It was a couple of days ago. I was listening to, to Jimmy Buffett stuff. And after after Jimmy Buffett passed away last weekend uh, and um, and yeah. as my songs playing on the on the AirPod mini, suddenly they just stop. I'm like, why did you stop? Why? What, what happened? So then I had to go back to my iPhone and start it up again. There was no good reason to stop. It just it just stops sometimes. So uh, yeah. Apple needs to. And the thing that, that annoys me a little bit is that AirPlay and, and now AirPlay version two have been around for a long time. And I, I, I feel like, you know, and again, I know nothing about what I'm speaking. Let me just say that clear. But part of me feels like if Apple could just put a few more engineers on this product, let's clean up all the problems. Let's <laughs> right. let's work out the bugs. You, you get the feeling that Apple put it out there in the world and then put its engineers on some other project. Maybe they're working on the right. Apple Vision Pro that's coming out next year or something else. Like it's like if you if you you know AirPlay is almost there. It is ninety eight percent of the way there. I just wish they would close that final one or two percent. So maybe Apple wants you to use AirPods instead, Jeff. Speaking <laughs> of which. Happy birthday to the AirPods, which launched seven years ago. Can you and, believe it's uh, been seven years? I wow. cannot. Yeah. I cannot. And I remember having, just like you, I think you ordered, it was December 2016, as you talked about in your post today. But you ordered one immediately, but you didn't get them until January, the middle of January, or no, January 5th, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I, I think I waited a few more months, and I was able to get my first uh, uh, pair, and I've that's probably one of the first things like that, that that's one of my immediate purchases now every time that they have released a new set of airpods you know today we i know we were both using the airpods uh pro um my daughter i've mentioned has the airpods max which at first i thought that's the one thing i did not purchase but i gotta <laughs> tell you it's on my it's on my short list just because they sound so good and now of course mm -hmm. i see them everywhere now especially when i'm traveling people use them all the time but seven years ago the airpods launched and boy um I say Apple keep uh, put put some of those engineers on this as well because <laughs> we want more <laughs> and better. And I know there are going to be some changes that we expect to hear about next Tuesday as well. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, AirPods are something that almost since day one have really been universally loved by people. Um, yeah. Every once in a while, you hear a tiny complaint along the edges. But, you know, so many people, whether they be a real geeky techie person to just a regular person that just wants to use something that works, people love their AirPods. And for good reasons. I mean, they sound good. Yeah. They're easy to use. They're easy to charge. They, they work, work really well. They yeah. come out with new models. When they came out with the air with with the, the you know, the model that, that I'm using now that had the noise cancellation, yeah. you know, yeah. it's so nice to have the love AirPods. It. Pro and um and I'm, I'm sure that we're going to see at the very least a version very very soon that works that charges via USB C instead of Lightning if if they do that for the iPhone you got to think they're going to do that for the charging case but um, but who knows yeah. what's going to come next but I mean these are just great devices I use them all the time I've got them in my ears right now for um for for me listening to to you speak and Same. um. I mean, I use them every day. I use them to listen to music, to podcasts. I use them for exactly. video conference calls. Uh, it's every All single day, I use my AirPods. When was it that, was it a, a year and a half ago or so where then, you know, on these AirPods Pro, you could uh, turn the volume up and down. I mm. love that. You could just use your finger and swipe up and down on the yeah. little stick there. And I love that. And then, but I know it's specifically that we've talked about, they are going to change a couple of the actions with iOS 17. Am I correct, Jeff? So in other words, now if I'm on a phone call with my AirPods Pro to hang up the phone call, I'll just click my AirPods Pro and that hangs the phone call up. But I believe mm. they're going to change that to where it'll mute me on a phone call, right? There's going to be a mm. few of those little changes. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll pay attention to that by next Tuesday and hopefully um, uh, get a little more information to share on that. Let's keep talking about music. It's specifically classical music. You know, we don't talk about the Apple Music app very much. Uh, I'm, I'm just realizing, uh, well, although we both like it very much, but something we don't talk about even, we, we talk about even less is the Apple classical music app. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Other than when it came out, I remember talking about that. And it feels like Apple to me is kind of on a quiet streak here. They acquired a couple of other companies, whatever that was that they acquired from the classical music. And that's what turned into the music app, uh, mm -hmm. Prime Phonic or, or Prime Music, right. or something like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then now you link to a story today, which wasn't about a specific piece of software, but it's a library of classical music that's been around for years, for decades. Uh, what was the, the name of this company? B-I-S. B-I-S. Re yeah. yeah, revered classical music label out of Sweden that they're actually joining Apple. I, you know, reading this, I'm just thinking to myself, that's fantastic that Apple is, I, I think, putting resources into, frankly, I think, you know, a, a genre of music that they don't have to pay attention to, Jeff, is what I'm thinking, right? They have plenty of time that they can put, you know, for Taylor Swift focus, right? And all the pop and everything else. But I'm thrilled to see that Apple is continuing to make some investments in the classical side as well. It's a fun story here because this company, BIS, was founded by this guy in Sweden, Robert uh, Von Baer, who is now in his 80s. So, you yeah. know, it's time for him to be retiring soon. Right. And so right. this 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 company that he's built on, uh, he's he's found a new home for it by, by selling out to Apple. And he says he and his entire team is going to continue to work for Apple after the uh, the purchase and stuff. So from that standpoint, it's sort of a feel-good story. Um, but if you step back, it's also sort of interesting because BIS, they don't just – it's not just a collection – of songs like like Prime Phonic was, mm -hmm. but they're actually a label. I mean, if if you are a modern person yeah, that right, plays classical right. music today, you could sign up for BIS to be your your record label, just like any other record label you might sign up for. And so I think 
if I'm correct, that this is the first example, Brett, of Apple owning a record label. And again, it's yeah, not the record label right. that's going to be, you know, working with Taylor Swift or anything like that. It's going to be a very niche area, but it does make right. you wonder, will Apple do more in the future? And just for example, I mean, if I have signed with BIS as my label, um, now that Apple owns them, my songs, of course, are going to be available on Apple Music Classical. Right. Will they Great. also be on Spotify or is it now mm. going to be an Apple exclusive? I don't know. I mean, there are current mm. – uh, the, the company BAS has its own existing contractual arrangements that at least until the contracts expire, I'm sure they will honor. But right. it does make you wonder going forward. I mean, will there be a time in the future where certain labels are owned by Apple and certain labels are owned by Spotify? Yeah. And the idea is if you want to listen to this artist – you have to do it on a certain service. Um, much like yeah. if you want to watch the latest Disney movie, you got to do it on Disney Plus. You can't necessarily do it on, you know, Amazon Prime or Netflix. So I don't know. I mean, that that, that it's just sort of interesting thing. But um, but you know, yeah. but without that, that, that could be a potentially negative implication down the future, or at least more limiting uh, implication down the future. But for this particular story, you know, this this, this beloved apparently classical label, it sounds like it's a perfect home for them. It's it's a great way for the company to continue on as a part of Apple um so it's a different world because it this like just like you said i hadn't think about it that way this is a technology company owning a record label now apple knows how record labels work because we remember back in the day when steve jobs had to do some fantastic negotiations with the record labels of the time right mm -hmm. to actually even get them to agree to let him you know but put 99 cent songs on itunes for example so it's just kind of interesting that now you know full circle coming around they're owning a label and uh again it's great that it's like this you know preserving uh, a lot of this music that i you know i'm afraid unfortunately a lot of people maybe don't pay as much attention to but Good on that. Hopefully, once they do incorporate the BIS label, you will be able to not only play it in CarPlay in your own car, but you can have a, a listening party amongst your friends and other cars. I don't know. I I, I got to see how this is going to work. But this story from Chance Miller that you link to from 9to5Mac um, really uh, intrigues me. This is using CarPlay, which I use all the time, and I listen to music all the time. But now there is... Share play that's going to come out in iOS 17 so that if I want to have a listening party, listen to the same song that a friend is listening to in their car, I can do that. I don't know if I have a use case for that, Jeff, but I'm intrigued to see how it's going to work. Yeah. I mean, the one that I thought of, in fact, just to back up a second, you know, SharePlay is a technology that's been around for a little while. It did not exist that's right. That's right. at the height of the pandemic in 2020, because if it had, when, you know, we had friends and family that you just literally could not see because of COVID, I might've actually tried SharePlay so that we could both be in our own True. respective homes. True. And yet yeah. we could watch the latest, you know, blockbuster movie at the same time and, and text, which you test text back and forth with each other right. during it. Right. Um, having said that, I have yet to try SharePlay with anybody else. Maybe you and I will have to do it, Brett, if we want to watch a movie together uh, from a Across the country at some point so okay. taking that share play technology from your uh from your tv room into your car with this new technology you know you and your car and somebody else in another car can uh can be playing the same songs at the same time if one person pauses it it'll pause for the other person if one person adds something to the playlist from one car it'll be added to the other and the you know the example yeah, i can think of yeah. is people that are taking a road trip and traveling in multiple cars you know True. hopefully the yes. driver is not doing right. it but maybe the person <laughs> in the passenger seat could be acting as the dj not only for their own car but for the other car as well which could be interesting um of course it also means that somebody in one car could decide to play you know 100 poop sounds and then the other car gets to listen to that too so there's definitely a potential for Joy. hijinks there yeah but um, yeah 
by the way to your point i think here zach is is or um chance is talking about you don't have to both be in the car uh the gentleman mm -hmm. that he was sharing with zach which is another writer at nine to five call, Matt, yeah. wasn't in the car with me he was at home in mississippi and i was driving around town in texas mm -hmm. so they were able to listen you know so i can see where maybe that would be fun you know if my daughter's driving you know i could we could listen to the same song at the same time as she wanted to you know so mm -hmm. anyway just be interesting to see things coming out uh from ios 17 as well yeah time for the where are you at segment where you at you got a couple of fun stories this one i thought was great i i always feel like we have a fun story and then we have you know one that's like thank goodness that there is this mm -hmm. technology out there this person where they were driving around in wisconsin flipped the car and it says it was it was at dark at night in the dark and the car landed 100 feet away from the road so the point is you really wouldn't be able to see the car out in right. this field unless you knew what you were looking for Thankfully, this person had an Apple Watch on their wrist. It had fall detection enabled. And so immediately, I think it sounds like when the accident happened, it contacted the local, uh, uh, like the fire department, and they were able to track exactly where this car was located. And we even have the the uh, the, the fire chief is making a statement here that just we would not have been able to discover the car were it not for this technology. Yeah, he says he thinks it could have taken another two hours to find the car if they didn't have <laughs> yeah. the precise GPS. And since the driver was unconscious, you know, that right. two hours could have been the difference between life and death of that person. Absolutely. So um, this is this is crash detection working exactly as you want it to work. And it's yeah. a great story. Yeah. Good one there. Okay, another one that you had here. This is a little bit of, it's unfortunate, but boy, it has a happy ending, but a kind of a fun, uh, I, I think what this gentleman says at, at the end of his little video is that if you're going to steal a MacBook, just make sure it's not from a tech nerd that has a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, yeah. This Do you guy, want to I tell this story? This gentleman was in more. Brussels, I believe, right? And he had his backpack stolen. You take it yeah, from there, Yeah, this is Jeff. somebody who used to work for Google AI, so he definitely understands yeah. technology. His backpack is stolen at a train station in Belgium, and he was able to track it for a short period of time using the AirTag, but then I guess the thieves, and at some point, you know, uh -huh. those AirTags start to beep, so they must either found the AirTag and disposed of it, or maybe they tossed the entire bag and just took the right. contents. But suddenly, the AirTag is no longer helping them, but it was his MacBook. And so since the MacBooks yeah. have Find My on them too, he was able to continue to track it. But the thing that's, there's two interesting parts of the story. I believe yes. it was just last week or two weeks ago that we were reminding people, we were urging people, don't take the law into your own hands. Contact the police right. and get them. And he tried to do that in Belgium, but unfortunately, the location information that he had was not precise enough for the police to know exactly where they were located. So they, this they had guy to have did, the apartment number. They they, right. they say they, they know the building, but he's but they said you have to have the apartment number, and he couldn't give them that. So he did what is absolutely a dangerous thing to do. He decided to become his own investigator and he staked out where he, you know, the building. And he finally, through, you know, watching Find My and watching people moving in and out of the building, he was able to figure out where they were located and where they were going back and forth to. Yeah. And oh my God, did he figure it out? Because once he finally did find the information and provide the more precise information to the police, they did come in and make the arrest. And not only did they recover his MacBook, yeah. but hundreds of other devices. So this was not 
not just a one-off theft. This was yeah, a crime a ring, ring that had yeah, been doing this yeah. a lot. And it, I didn't mention this in my post today, Brett, but did you notice that a bunch of the equipment that they had stolen, they wrapped it in like aluminum foil to try to protect it they, as if it was I like a Faraday yes. cage? To, you yes. know, so they were, I, I don't know if that's, I actually can't tell you if wrapping things in aluminum foil prevents fry mine from working. I suspect it does not. But at least the, the criminals were smart enough to try to cover their tracks. And, yeah. you know, they were aware of the possibility of people tracking these devices. And yet, um, you know, they still got caught. So it's a happy ending, but you could almost understand, you know, this guy's, you know, outside of somebody's house and, you yeah. know, the bad guys see him out there and decide, you know, we're part of a crime ring. We're going to take matters into our own hands and get rid of you before you can contact the police. Right. So we right. certainly do not encourage stalking your stolen MacBook in Belgium. Always safety first. But I have to tell you, if... <laughs> Well, I don't even want to say it this way, but, you know, if 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 you were going to follow it, I think he, this gentleman did a good thing. He, you know, he stayed outside. He stayed. He kept mm -hmm. his distance. He did follow the thieves for a little bit, which I wouldn't have probably have, have suggested to do. But, Jeff, I feel like, you know, he had he had he had no other choice in other words he did the right thing he went to the police he couldn't get them to do to take action and, and rightfully so i'm not putting a finger at the police because they do need to have a precise location even like down to the apartment number or so and this gentleman just kept following them until he could provide a precise location at the very end of the story i don't know if you watched this video all the way through and i'll link to it in the show notes but he said if the police had not come at that time and it took him like four hours once that he finally was able to give them that he his next step was he was going to fly his drone through the open window of the building where his computer was at <laughs> so he could try to take more pictures of his computer and the thieves that he could get to the police now that would have been going too far we do not recommend that at all please don't do that but at least anyway it's a good story and i'll make Sure that you link to the video it's worth uh it's worth watching on that last little video that you link to quickly and then we'll get to our, our tips here was a new one from apple called the dance and when i first saw that you're linked to this jeff i'm like okay well you know is this just going to be you know some nice colors and people swirling around no i call it the pay dance uh it's a hilarious video i'll link to it and as well where it's a somebody at a grocery store register checkout jeff and they have a credit card a, a physical credit card in their hand they're trying to pay and it just is something that i relate to so much you got to slide it in and then you wait for the beep like do you remove it oh i removed it too quickly no you got to try it again let me let me restart it and reboot the 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 the, the process here and anyway it's just a funny thing while a gentleman in the background just uses apple pay on his iphone and walks out in two seconds I love yeah, this yeah. because Apple Pay for me has become my go-to way to pay, and I don't think it can come even soon enough. Like, I want everything. I get annoyed now when I go somewhere, and I can't use my iPhone with Apple Pay, Jeff. I like it so much. Agreed. It's just so much faster to use, but the video does a, it's a, an effective and a humorous job of showing how much faster it can be to pay with Apple Pay. <laughs> So that gets me into my in the know tip, which is a couple of okay. things just quickly on Apple Pay. In the know. So uh, what th this happened just, I think, about a week ago for me. I was in Texas at a very large grocery store chain. I'll, I'll let them remain nameless, but their initials are H-E-B. But uh, I love it. I love the H-E-B, the, the stores that are nameless, uh, except that I go and pay, and it's got this little... Um, uh, what do you call it? It's almost like a, the card reader, right? These little black boxes or, you know, different colored boxes that are next to the register. And we are familiar with those because in the past we would, that's where we would either swipe our physical credit card or most recently today, 
we would insert it into a slot so the little uh, chip can be read. Or in many of them, they have the tap to pay options with a physical credit card, right? Where you just simply take your physical credit card and tap it on the little box there and it pays. Well, this particular grocery store chain, uh, not that I'm <laughs> singling them out, although I guess I am a little bit, they don't even have tap to pay. So Ugh. I'm using my iPhone and that's how I wanna do. I wanna use my Apple wallet and I wanna use a credit card in my Apple Pay wallet to pay. So I'm like, pow, 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 I'm like tapping the iPhone on the box. Cause sometimes you have to be in a different corner. Is it at the top in the middle? Is it the bottom on this corner, wherever it is, I'm just banging it around on this box. And every time <laughs> the, the checkout person is like, sorry, we don't have tap to pay. I'm like, wait, you mean I have to get my wallet out? I don't even <laughs> know if I have the physical credit card with me or not. And I have to like insert it or swipe it on this box. I'm like, come on, what is this? 1992? I mean, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So my quick little in the no tips are Apple Pay. First of all, you can set a default card. So I exclusively use Apple Wallet now when I go somewhere and it's so easy to use and probably most of you listening already do this, that when you go up to the register, you can click, click, double click the side button on your iPhone and that immediately brings up by default your Apple Pay. And when you set a default card, that's the card that comes up when you double click. Now. You can set the default card by going into your settings and then going to wallet and Apple Pay. And then if you scroll down, there's the default card option there. And so for me, I'm, I'm a little bit of a collector here, Jeff. I've got about 12 credit cards that are in my Apple Pay wallet. And I love it because even if I set the default card to my Apple card, my Apple credit card, I can just use my thumb to swipe down on that. And then I now can select any credit card that I wanna use through Apple Pay, and that works out brilliantly. And the other little quick tip I'll just add on this after the default card is when you go into your Apple wallet, since like I said, I've got a list of about 12 different credit cards here, you can actually rearrange the credit cards. So I've got you know a couple of American Express and a couple of Chase cards, and I like to put those together, right? And then I've got one for an airline card and one for a hotel card. If you go into your Apple wallet and you tap and hold on a credit card, it'll it looks like it's, it's like you're pulling it out of the wallet and then you can just use your finger to slide it up and down so that you can rearrange how the credit cards come up because if you have you know mm -hmm. maybe five or six or so and if you want to select one quickly while you're standing at a register you can double click the side button apple pay comes up your default card is shown but if you want to swipe down then you can select another credit card and i like just rearranging them so that they make a little more sense to me like the ones that i use more often than than others so those are my apple wallet tips for in the know today yeah those are good tips in fact i was following along as you were describing them and that's all interesting i guess i had set my default credit card a long time ago and forgot about it and it, it is appropriately set but that's uh that's neat stuff um, so my tip today has to do with uh, some cool, fun things to watch. And, you know, I'm reminded, I don't know if you can tell I'm wearing my okay. uh, Saints t-shirt today because, of course, football season starts in earnest this weekend. And I am. Are we ready for some football? Um, but, you know, it, 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 it reminds me of many, many years ago. One of the reasons that I, like I'm sure many people, um, upgraded my TV to something that supported uh, high definition was for watching football yeah. games because that was, you know, sports and HD had the promise of being just so much better. Um, and I used to I mean, I remember times where I in the early days of HD you know, I'm watching a football game and 
I enjoyed the football game, but I was just amazed at the quality of HD because right. it was so much better than what I had ever seen before with standard definition television, which when you look back at nowadays is just horrible. Um, and then, of course, technology has advanced. <laughs> right. And now we're at the stage where people may have a 4K television. So you can even buy an 8K television nowadays um, and you can have an HDR. And so one of the things I was realizing the other day is if you want to, you know, I am no longer amazed when I watch a football game in HD, you know, uh, I'm now immune to that um right. but if you want to get if you want to restore that sense of wonder here's my recommendation for you okay um, and go. if you want to blow your mind now here's the ingredients that you need to do this brett this first of all expensive. you this is going to be need very to, expensive. well hopefully it uses equipment that you already own okay the first good. thing okay. that you need is an apple tv 4k those those have okay. been out for the Check. last two years yeah. now so Got you it. know as long as you have one that you've purchased in the last two years you have an apple tv that supports 4k the second thing that you need to have is a television that supports supports not only 4K, but also uh -huh. HDR. Um, and this is important oh, because yeah. even though I have some, <laughs> excuse me, I have, for example, my computer at home, I use an Apple Studio Display Monitor, which is 5K. So even better than, at least from a K standpoint, in terms of the number of pixels, it's better right. than the television I have, but it does not support HDR. You have to support HDR for this to work. Okay. And then once you yeah. do that, once you have that Apple TV, the new one, and you have a television that supports HDR with 4K, next on your Apple TV, simply download the free YouTube app. And the YouTube app for about oh, a okay. year now has supported, they've supported actually 4K and 8K for a long time, but they've supported HDR. And so there's a number of channels. And the one that I'm recommending today is one of many. But the one that I'm recommending is a channel that happens to be called 8 K vision. And I don't know who's behind this yeah. or anything How like that. How many Ks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if great. you go to this channel on your YouTube app, um, and if you have the equipment Ooh. that I discussed, you can watch these videos. Um, now, the videos are often advertised as being in 12K or 8K or 24K. Yeah. The reality yeah. is that um, you're not going to see better than 4K anyway, but it doesn't really matter. It's not really the, the 4K version of it or the 8K version of it that makes it impressive. What makes it impressive is the HDR. These videos... Okay. Some okay. of them are of um, nature. Some of them are close-up macro photography that's in yeah. like a, a lab with a really black, deep black background and very colorful things in the foreground that are well lit. Some of them are overviews of cities. You can go through, you know, New York and, and Paris and places around the world. But wow. any of these videos that you watch, if you look at them on a computer screen, I, I guarantee you, if you go they right now on your there. computer screen, yeah. and you look at them, you're going to say they look good, but they're not going to yeah. blow you away, Brett. But if no, you turn no. off the lights and you turn on your Apple TV and you watch them with a great HDR, I, I promise you, if you've got good equipment, you will be blown away by these videos. It okay. is one of these. And, and it reminds me of how breathtaking, like I said, it was way back when, when I first encountered HD, you know, right. the videos are just, some of them are just completely jaw dropping. Um, and the difference between having HDR and not having HDR is uh it's 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 just it's just beyond yeah. um you can just turn these things on and watch for a long time and get mesmerized if if you wait until five minutes in the video and you turn on pink floyd's uh dark side of the moon they'll say no i'm just kidding they won't sync up but it, it is uh, one of these sort of trip it, it is sort of one of these trippy nice. experiences that uh that does make you uh so it's really cool and again in the future we're going to have 8k tvs and, and hk youtube right, and stuff that's right. even better and you know we'll see what comes in the future but for now if you just have that set up um it's pretty darn cool it's pretty darn cool i think yeah it's the uh the hdr that i am lacking that's right the key now. part 
and uh, darn you, uh, Jeff, because I might have to make an investment here. It, I, I, it's funny because I've actually seen some of these other videos. Like you said, there's several different uh, uh, channels that you can that you can subscribe to, and they, I mean, even without HDR, as you were talking about, they look amazing even on my 4k television you're, but you're saying that brett but i'm I, telling you I know. i'm watching too you may say these look amazing but when you truly watch them in hdr your your yeah. jaw will drop and you're like oh my goodness i had no idea yeah. what i was missing so yeah. um yeah oh, it's impressive okay. stuff. well i guess i'll go i'll go shopping because i i remember <laughs> when you got your lg t television like you did a lot of research on this and you ended up we talked about your lg television a while back and um mm -hmm. Uh, even I remember even the way it was delivered was kind of funny, too. Yeah, but, that uh, was funny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you've been using it. And I know that you've talked about it uh, many times. And uh, that is that's that's great. OK, well, I'll, I'm off to uh, get a second mortgage on my house and get a new HDR television. So <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, we'll talk to you next week. This went pretty long. I assume next week we might even go a little bit longer as well, because we're going to all be waiting to see what Apple is talking about on Tuesday. So I'll be very excited to talk with you next week, Jeff. I cannot wait. Thanks, Brett. Bye bye, everybody.